welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly show for the latest news in movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name's Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Today is April the 9th, 2022. We are back in person after another week of remote recording. We are ready to give you a hot podcast right off the grill. So get get uh, get your bib on, get your fork and knife because it's time to dig in. Yep, get your uh, peanuts and or cracker jacks yes. because it is baseball season and we'll be talking yes. a lot of baseball stuff. Take uh, me out to the ball game uh, um, later. Uh, this is episode <laughs> three twenty six. Yes, uh, and let's get started, shall yeah, we? Let's get rolling. Yeah, because we've got quite a bit of thoughts for everybody and a little bit of everything. I think. I think so. So. Let's get started with music, and we always start music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. Mm. Staying Hot, Heat Waves by Glass Animals. Yes. Uh, Coming at two, Stay by The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Coming at three, Big Energy by Lotto. (laughs) At four, Super Gremlins. (laughs) Uh, Just one. Just one. Just Super Gremlin by Kodak Black. Mm -hmm. And coming in at number five, breaking into the top five, Enemy by Imagine Dragons and Jid. Yeah, J-I-D. J-I-D. I hate to say it, but this is really catchy. And and when I hear it on the radio, like hours later, I'll catch myself being like, Enemy. And I'm like, no, it's happening again. Wait, are you saying (laughs) Imagine Dragons wrote another hit? No, they, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Like, that's, that's inarguable at this point. It's on the top five. But like. It's annoying because it's not. Oh, okay, nope. magazine just took a dive. No, that's um, the angels. <laughs> the angels took a dive. The angels, last year's angels calendar is like uh, okay. And news is done. And news is done. Is and service is over. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. Imagine dragons—they can write catchy songs. Do I want to listen to them ever? No, not really. But if I do listen to them, will they stick in my head? Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, not surprised to see it here. Not surprised it's in the top five. No. As for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, coming in at number one, Mainstream Sellout by Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, I'm not super surprised that he has another number one record here, uh, but man, come on. Come on. Hey, it's all those concert sales. Yes, so. At two, 7220 or 7220 by Lil Durk. Lil Durk. Staying at number three is Encanto, the soundtrack by various artists. Yeah. Also staying at number four, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Yeah. Because, you know. And back in the top five, Sour by yeah. Olivia Rodrigo. Grammy bump? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. We'll see the real Grammy bump uh, next week. Because yes. then next week will be the first time we see the post-show hit. Right. Yeah. Um... If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. A couple this week. Uh, a big week. Just a pair. Uh, including Psychic Jailbreak by Cancer Bats. Yes, that is the name of an album and a band. Believe it or not. And Watch My Moves, in parentheses, by <laughs> Kurt Vile. <laughs> I like that because it implies that Kurt's like going up to you and being like, just then he, then he secretly whispering. Then he does a weird, weird ass dance. So, it, it's like no, it's like the like Prince symbol thing where yeah. it's it's just him dancing, but you can't just say dance on the album, so it says like watch my moves. <laughs> <laughs> Good 
Anyway. Anyways, if you were a big music fan, last Sunday was your Oscar night, pun intended, <laughs> because it was the Grammys. Yeah, it was. And for better and for worse. For better and for worse. <laughs> as Silk Sonic was the biggest winner of Grammy night. A band literally made, like a band made of two Grammy winners, literally built to win Grammys, who debuted their debut single and like like first debut at the Grammys last year. What do you know? They won Grammys. Well, they took all four awards that they were nominated for, which were. Best R&B Song, Best R&B Performance, Song of the Year, and Record of the Year. Yeah, big prize at the end of the night was theirs. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, they're built in a test tube to win Grammy. It's not surprising that they did the thing. Um, but just a little disappointing. Also, seeing Bruno Mars light up a cigarette on the Grammy stage. Yeah, I get it, it's Vegas. It's probably allowed there. But still, it was just like... Come on, guys. It is not 1978. As much as you guys wish, it was 1978. By the sound of your music and the look of your clothes and your whole vibe, it is 2022. I don't know. I don't know what about Silk Sonic really bugs me, but that whole night, every time I saw them, I was like, oh. It's all the gold, isn't oh, it? I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it seems tone deaf It's wearing the sunglasses I, inside, isn't it? I just don't like them. I just don't like them. Anyway. Uh, well, arguably, the biggest surprise of the <laughs> yes. night was Album of the Year, yeah. which went to the heavily nominated Job ja Batiste. <laughs> it should be John. I don't know. I know why. it's John. <laughs> Job. Job Batiste. John. Yes. John Batiste. Yes. Um, who I had a great conversation with, uh, someone at work of. Who is that person? I didn't know who that person was. Why did they win? Yeah, that's a good question. And I had to explain to them, well, they're the band leader for uh, Stephen yeah, Colbert yeah. uh, for Late Night, so who's been around. Uh, he's been doing that for the past seven years. John Batiste also did the Soul soundtrack. Yeah. He's done a lot of soul albums, a lot of um, R&B, hip-hop, yeah. jazz you albums. You can call him uh, multi-hyphenate genre-wise because he works in a lot of different genres. And yep. even if you look at his Grammy nominations, they run the gamut. Yes. He was up for jazz awards, R&B awards, uh, and somehow Vi video Roots music. music awards and folk awards. I mean, yep. he just, like, I guess he just finds a way to make music that can be categorized in all sorts of different ways. Right, and visual mediums as well, and... As I mentioned, with soul, um, yeah, yeah. motion picture soundtracks. soundtracks. So yeah, not. So that's why I say arguably is because I feel like some people are like, well, he had the most nominations. Of course, he won. But to it seems like to insiders, this was a surprise because it seemed like the momentum was going towards one of the, like some of the other options here. That the, he did not have the momentum going into this. I'm going to bet that if Silk Sonic was somehow nominated, they would have won. <laughs> Their record, I don't believe, was up for Albany. No, it was not. it was, I'm sure that they would have won. You're right. But, um, but yeah, I think that, yeah, this was, obviously, we here at the Media Boat Podcast think Sour was robbed. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it right. is what it is. Yeah, but if Sour would have won, that would have been five years in a row where basic white girl wins. <laughs> I mean, I... White's a little... I mean, I think Olivia has a little something else in her blood. I don't know if she's yes. what you would call white, but yeah. But following Billie Eilish and Casey Musgraves. Yeah. Still. <laughs> we'll yes. get to Olivia right now. Yeah, because while she didn't take home Album of the Year, yeah. she did win for Best New Artist, yes. 
Pick uh, up the phone on that one. We called yeah. that one. It's the but, only one we did call. Yeah, the only one we did call because <laughs> otherwise she was snubbed for sour. Um, except for a pre-show yeah. nod for the best solo pop performance. Real quick, this and the next bit are about the pre-show. I just want to mention, I watched a big chunk of it this year for the first time. Okay. Pretty cool. Uh, it's very rapid fire. They have so many that they have to keep giving these awards out. Which we covered last week that there's just so many awards that the Grammys give out. And a couple of fun parts about it is that they'll have a rotating um, like presenter thing happening. And uh, Best New Artist nominee Jimmy Allen was up there for a while. And I didn't realize how funny that guy is. He put out a good show like doing the, doing the announcements for those awards. Every time somebody wasn't, wasn't there... He would be like, yeah, I'm going to accept this on my behalf. By the way, I have like five of these now. <laughs> your hands was out. And he kept going. The bit didn't stop. He kept doing this. It's like, I guess I have six. One, my favorite one was at one point, I forget who won, but he was like, hey, oh, well, I mean, uh, I was looking for an excuse to go to Nashville, so I'll drop this off at her house or something like that. <laughs> it was Carrie Underwood, I think. Okay, yeah. And I was like, that's so funny. This guy, this guy's a riot. I like this guy. Yeah, uh, well, we saw him in concert, like, yeah. unexpectedly. So, yeah, the free show was And fun. we liked him. Yeah, JL seems like a nice dude. Yeah. I like him. He's also in Dancing with the Stars hey, that season. Which we'll talk about Dancing with the Stars later. But anyways, just to, the pre-show is fun. Um, it's long and it's a slog, but you do also get to see performances you would never see on the show, like some deep category, like genre stuff that they would never ha- allow on the actual <laughs> lifetime. It's a really good thing, and Lavar Burton was kind of the host of the whole thing, and he had a good time too. So yeah, a um, couple of Reading Rainbow shoutouts there in the acceptance speeches, which I appreciated. Is this the gig that he got because he couldn't get Jeopardy? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> like, Here, you can toast this. Um, yeah, so this for next year, when next year comes around, watch the free show. They'll stream it on YouTube again. It's a good time. It's a good time. Was it only on YouTube, or was it on E? Because E was the red carpet. Website. No, it's not. You're thinking of the red carpet. They yeah. don't broadcast on television. Okay. Which means they also can get away with things that they can't on primetime. So they'll allow people to say... Stuff when Jack Antonoff accepted his award for uh, producer of the year non classical, he dropped several uh, several curses. Oh, we'll talk about um, some streaming stuff <laughs> yeah, uh, a little bit all. later. And then also um, when they showed the Halsey cover art for alternative album, it was not censored. So it's like stuff they can't oh, do. Oh, full on baby on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just see it. Um, so yeah, they can you do things on stream that they can't do in prime time. So it's a good time. Watch it next year. Yep. Anyway. Well, anyways, also in the pre-show. <laughs> yeah. Some not-so-great stuff. Some not-so-great stuff, as the previously canceled are now uncanceled because they won awards. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. That works, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Louis C.K. and Kanye West yeah. both officially won Grammys this year. Louis C.K. for the spoken word category, or comedy album? Comedy album comedy. category. And then also, and Kanye West won two in the rap categories, uh, one for jail, which also means that Lil Baby and Marilyn Manson are now going in. Uh, Weren't they already? I think Marilyn, Marilyn Manson, Manson might have been, been. But I don't know about Lil Baby. And the other one and the, one of the other singles, Hurricane, uh, with right. The Weeknd. So The Weeknd also won a Grammy, even though he did not submit his own material this year. Yes. So there you go. We'll so, yeah, talk about The Weeknd a little bit later. Yes, we will. Yep. Um, as for the performances... Um, they were pretty strong overall. Highlights included yeah. BTS pulling off a heist. Yeah, that was fun. Billie Eilish rocking out in the rain. That was probably my personal favorite in the night. Olivia Rodrigo getting her driver's license. Yeah. And the brothers Osborne yeah. closing the show. It was fun. 
yeah. I, I, I'm not super familiar with Brothers Osborne, but their performance was a whole lot of fun. Even though it was kind of anticlimactic, because it was after the end of the night. Right. So people were leaving, and they were just playing. But the people who stayed were having a great time. It was like a little hoedown happening. Yeah, so Brother Osborne, um, their first single was um, Not My Fault. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. Uh, but most of their songs are not the Deep Voice album. Right. Song. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they played a song off their um, Skeleton Key or Skeleton album. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. I, like, yeah. I liked it better than I thought it was going to. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm waiting for their next album. Yeah, yeah. Because their next album is always it's one of those um, other albums or the good ones. <laughs> Anyways, uh, not as thrilling. Yeah. Or the statuesque Carrie Underwood. Oh my god, that performance was so boring. Yes. So halfway through the performance, <laughs> I realized that she was just standing still, and there's yeah, this pole she, behind her. I'm like, she's going. She's, up. Going, she's going up. She's going up. Why, why hasn't she gone up yet? And, and doctor was like, like this is why I don't like her because she's still performance. I'm yeah. like, yeah, but she's probably tethered to something. She literally can't move. Yeah. I, and then literally at the last like thirty seconds, they decide to rise her up. Really? You know what? I thought I was thinking. I've been thinking about Carrie Underwood since this performance. I was listening to a 2000s country playlist at work on Monday because this is the kind of thing you do when you have the ability to listen to music all day. And um, <laughs> I had that on, and, the, and before he cheats came on, I was like, man, Carrie used to be fun. Yeah. What happened to fun Carrie? I feel like all the music she puts out now is just so boring. Well, she put out the uh, gospel Christmas album. Yeah, and I'm like, I get it. But, like, she was just so boring here. And it was just another reminder of, like, I don't think, it's not boring. It's that category that we always love to hate. <sighs> mom music. It is. It's so boring now. And I'm like, it's just disappointing. I don't know. It's mom music. She had so much potential. Anyway. Anyways. Other performance, including the blindingly bright John Batiste. Yeah, I didn't get what he was going for there. I like the bit where he came into the audience and danced yes. on Billie Eilish's table. But, like... It was colorful. It was not a good song, though. I did not think... I did not like the song he was doing. It was just like, this is kind of... It's not catchy, and I don't really get it. But yeah, they tried to make him seem like as exciting as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like with all the the costuming and the choreography, like they really tried hard to make you like John John Baptiste, and it didn't work for me. Probably because they knew he was gonna win. Maybe, <laughs> like, yeah. We need to make this as big and loud as possible, even though. Well, I'll talk about the album. It had the vibe of a replacement, like where somebody else was supposed to perform, and then. They didn't have it. Yeah. Like maybe they took um, the Foo Fighter spot. Maybe with him, and I was like, uh... anyway. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah. I don't have this in the news, but congratulations to the Foo Fighters. Even though they are dealing with some tragic circumstances right now, they did take some a handful of Grammys uh, in the pre-show. So congratulations to them. Yep. Um, they were all. Um... Taylor was also the first yes. name dropped for the In Memoriam. Also, Bailey Eilish's Billie Eilish shirt, shirt. He uh, had him on it. So, yep. yeah. Well, well uh, celebrated, I think, uh, which was good to see. Unlike Tony Bennett. Yes. <laughs> yes, so Lady Gaga <laughs> did a tribute of sorts. Even though Tony Bennett's not dead, I just want yes. to remind everybody he's still alive <laughs> for now. Uh, not looking so hot. But um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Just Gaga going full lounge singer mode. And, uh, when I was talking to Christy while we were watching it, I was like, oh, she's already ready for Vegas re- residency. Era, this is Vegas Gaga, residency. Absolutely where she lands. Like, yep. give her five more years. 
that has to be what she does, right? Like, she's built for it. Yeah. She's built for it. She has the career for it. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that was Vegas residency audition. Yes. That was her <laughs> audition for the MGM Grand. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, anything else uh, talk about for the Grammys? Um, they did a, a, a Stephen Sondheim medley for the In Memoriam, because it ended, of course, with Stephen it Sondheim. It closed with, yes. Uh, what else are you missing? Oh, yeah, you mentioned the bleeps during Justin Bieber's performance of yep. Peaches. Indecipherable what they were bleeping. I'm not really sure why, but they did it profusely. Um, also, what a weird performance. Uh, Lil Nas X was there with a pretty solid performance but not as exciting or surprising as what he's done before so um, maybe that's why it was kind of forgettable and he had his big face up there yeah, yeah. Um, also her had a pretty good performance yeah i liked her uh yeah when um um uh, lenny kravitz showed up yep. he did you're gonna go my way it, fine but very staple grammy style and yeah of all the new cro- like eh. yeah all the new crossovers overall i think just that bts thing was so elaborate and so well staged and so fascinating that I think that was probably the best performance of the night. Yep. I really was like, wow. Again, I guess um, Chris Stapleton was there. Yeah, he <laughs> won. He um, did something. It was, performed. Had, had strings, and that's all I remember. But, sure. He was like, yeah, this is why we like Chris Stapleton. Like, yeah, yeah, reliable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Randy Carlisle also, in a similar way, very staple Grammy ballad performance. He yep. was like, yeah, that was serviceable. Um, so yeah, how'd you land on it by the end of the night? Um, overall it was fine. fine. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I do like that even though you have a lot of live performances and speeches that they do end on time when they say they're gonna end. <laughs> yeah, unlike some shows. Yes. Yeah, I feel like they, they managed the time pretty well. I feel like the most of the performances were good enough where... Yeah, the awards didn't bug me as much. But yeah, I do feel a little bad for Olivia. But, and the performances going in and out of commercial breaks. Yeah, that was a neat idea, but it felt like almost like these are not good enough to be on the stage right. vibe <laughs> to them. They are all, by the way, people who had won awards in the pre-show. So yep. I was like, okay, that's at least fun that they're like saying, like, these Grammy winners are now going to play for you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, I thought it was fine, but you're right. It was like not super exciting, not anything super thrilling. Or surprising besides John Baptiste. And as surprises go, pretty boring one. I think they go back to Vegas. I don't think they go to Crypto oh, or Rita. You think they're staying in Vegas after this? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Speaking of performances and people not performing, and the desert. looking at you, Kanye, yeah. and the desert, <laughs> Coachella is next weekend. Woo! The big uh, Golden Voice production, AEG production, is upon us yet again get your coachella vibes ready get ready and pick up the phones yes because we called it we called it kanye more or, less. more or less kanye west would not perform at coachella and as we also called it yeah swedish house mafia would probably be taking that because they were clearly billed <laughs> as a desert performance although not specifically said when yeah they were the unofficial <laughs> headliner let's be yes. real and now they're the official headliner however they're a co-headliner because it seems like the reason why they didn't want to give them the spot is it seems like Golden Voice does not have full confidence in the Swedish House Mafia. Right. So they decided to make it a Coachella weekend. Yeah. By having the weekend <laughs> uh, replace Kanye West on that Sunday night. Yeah, he's co-billed with Swedish House Mafia. Yep. 
uh, both of them, will perform Closing on Sunday night, joining Harry Styles on Friday nights mm-hmm. and Billie Eilish on Saturday nights as Coachella's 2022 headliners. Uh, taking place next weekend. And then? And then the following weekend. Um, so it's April 15th through 17th and then the 22nd through 24th. Yeah. Kanye West was announced as a headliner back in January, but pulled out officially on Monday. Post-Grammys, quote, I'm so looking forward to the moment with Swedish House Mafia and The weekend finishing out Sunday night's slot of this year, said Paul Tollett, president and CEO of Coachella promoter Golden Voice. Coachella has a special relationship with Abel. The weekend. The weekend. <laughs> and I'm so thankful to have this upcoming performance with these iconic artists all on the same stage. So the way that he's phrasing it, it seems like there may be some so source collabs happening, and then yep. maybe they'll also do solo stuff. It'd be neat, I guess. I don't know if The Weeknd has a song with Swedish House Mafia. I don't think so. Not I yet. Think that they were it, he. The Weeknd happens in that no man's land of their career. I think for right. the most part, but I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Uh, any ADM experts um, looking at you, Mark? Want to call in and tell us <laughs> if Swedish House Mafia has ever done a sh- song with The Weeknd. Please inform us. Not yet. Uh, not that I know of. Um, yeah. That would have been a maybe time they will I, now. Saw, I saw them, like, maybe this will ins- album. Maybe this will inspire them to hit the studio. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, so, I'll be seeing them second weekend in the desert. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. But before that... Before that, um, we listened to a couple albums. We listened to several albums. In fact, there's even one that I forgot to write on here because it's so forgettable I forgot. But uh, yeah, let's start with you though because this is a good uh, uh, Grammy segue. Grammys. You listened to that album of the year. I decided to listen to that album of the year. Yes. Determine what made it album of the year. Tell me about John Batiste. John Batiste, um, as mentioned, very jazz heavy influence, very R and B influence, and. That is exactly what this album is. Oh, yeah. We are. Um, it definitely felt like a jazz album. I didn't know which way it was going at every any single time. <laughs> it was fun. It was loud. It was bombastic. But at the same time, it's jazz. So <laughs> jazz is not my style. I prefer Olivia Rodrigo Sour. It's more of the pop kind of, I feel more like, easy listening to music. I can understand it better than We Are, but sure, that being sure. said, but I think the risks taken in We Are <laughs> is a lot, and I think they do pay off. There is a lot of crossover, a lot of um, different vibes going throughout this album. You can see why he works in so I can many see genres. Why, yes, yeah. yes this, this album does cross a lot of genres. Um, <laughs> not my favorite, but then again, I'm not a part of the Grammy... Um, recording artist, um, <laughs> was recording academy. Yeah. Uh, the RCA, RICA. Yeah, yeah, the recording academy. Yeah. But it's an album. If you want to listen to a Grammy winning album, it's there. <laughs> it is there. Not, not much more I can say about right, it. Yeah, I mean, it's there. it seems like you know what you're <laughs> getting into if yeah. you if you are interested in this. Part. Or if you never heard of John Batiste yeah. and you're trying to get into it because it won the Grammy. Uh, it may be a bit too in your face, I think. Hmm. Okay. 
Um, same thing when uh, her kept winning all those Grammys. Yeah. <laughs> people were like, um, I don't really get it, you but know, okay. Where did she come from, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Even though she's a really good artist. Same thing here. John Batiste is a really good artist. He, as we mentioned, yeah. works in a lot of different mediums, a lot of different genres. I was reading something, and I believe this was before the Grammys. I might be wrong. It might be something that posted the performance. But somebody was basically writing about like the difference between like good performance and interesting performance. Yeah. And I think that's maybe... Oh, no, that was maybe in a book I was reading. Anyway, um, about music. But, like, yeah, it was basically this concept, and I think that's where this is. It's not saying that these people aren't talented. They're incredibly talented and very great musicians and very good at what they do, and the Academy is right to award that. Mm-hmm. It's just that I feel like for popular music, I think, and for, like, for my like personal taste and perhaps your personal taste, it's just, like, there's got to be something a little bit more hooky there. Like, yeah, you can be the greatest piano player on earth, but does that mean that I want to listen to piano music? Maybe yeah. not. And so that's, I think, maybe what we're talk- what we're kind of talking about here is that, yeah, there are great musicians, but and, and interesting to watch when the Grammys come, a- come around every year, but, like, am I going to seek that out when I'm in the mood for listening to music? Probably not. And that's kind of how I feel about both of those artists, about her and... Someone like John Batiste is like, yeah, I can appreciate them, but like, you, ever you can recognize like, the talent. And no, yeah. yeah, you can recognize the talent, but then also recognize that personal preference and personal tastes mm-hmm. skew away from it. Because that's the other thing is beyond talent and musicianship, uh, music is very subjective. Yeah, and it's why a lot of people have problems with awarding music. Period is because of all art, I think it's potentially the most objective. You grow up just like with a different rhythm in your heart and, like, that, like, will determine the kind of thing you want to listen to. Yeah, it's just, it's very, very subjective. So, who knows? That's why there's... They do. And that's why there's the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> yes. And Still, the somehow. Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. Yeah, you know, Where choice. the kids are in charge. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, well, listen you listened to a couple, to a couple albums. A couple of self-titled records. Okay. In a row here. Uh, first, I'll talk about uh, the Linda Lindas, who put out their debut record. If that name sounds familiar, it's because they've kind of been all over the internet the last couple of years. They had a viral single last year uh, that kind of put them on the map. They're a scrappy bunch of preteen to teenage girls. I believe their range is like 13 to 17. I think the oldest member is 17. Um, all different, like, uh, uh, ethnicities, and, uh, yeah, they, they rock. They're kind of like a punk outfit, like a, like a, kind of a pop, not a pop punk in, like, that Avril Lavigne, Michelle, Machine Gun Kelly kind of way, but in more of, like, a classic punk kind of way. Um, and, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Uh, so this is their debut album. It collects a lot of the singles they've kind of sprinkled out in the last couple of years. And, um, it sounds great. It's super well produced. Um, just really clean and um their songwriting ability is surprisingly great like they're really good for their age like and yeah that seems like faint praise but i'm being like absolute serious i listen to this and i'm like this is one of the better records of this sound i've heard in a long time like i get shades of slater kenny here i get shades of um like of some some more modern uh, punk bands like Potty Mouth, some more like indie punk uh, outfits we've seen in the last few years. They're great. I really had a good time with this record. I think that if this concept of having like teen girls like do it in a punk band sounds appealing to you, 
you're already set to love this. So like absolutely check out The Land of Brenda's. If you want something scaled uh, about 10 years later, um, some indie punk adjacent rock that's being made by, let's say, 25, 26 year olds from, um, I'm not even sure where they're from. Uh, but yeah, Wet Leg also put out their debut this week. They've been doing the late night circle. Um, they've been, they did a, um, <laughs> they've done a couple of, uh, of, of late night shows lately. They had their big single, Shays Long, uh, that, that uh, went on to, I heard it on the radio once. <laughs> like, it kind of, they, oh, they're British. Um, but yeah, they kind of blew up and their debut record's finally out and, oof, it's good. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's very like mid two thousands indie rock. Ooh. It's very much that kind of like guitar driven kind of thing. They but they have a, like a few different um, different spaces they're playing and also they're just funny. Their lyrics are just very like very clever. Shay's Long, I mean, was such a hit because it has like some really funny bits in it. Uh, there's a uh, they borrow a joke from Mean Girls <laughs> about buttering a muffin, uh, which is fun. They're just fun. I mean, these are two great, like, fun bands that are just very, like, just, yeah. I don't know what more to say about them, but yeah, if you've been wondering about the buzz about either of these bands, check them out. The records are really good. Lastly, uh, I have to talk about the one that I feel like I have to talk about because it's a relatively big deal, but still uh, not happy about it. Father John Misty is back, and he put out his new record, Chloe and the New 20th Century, I believe is the name of it. It's fine. Um, this is Father John Misty in, um, like, balladeer mode. Like, it's very much, like, not necessarily jazzy, but very, like, horn-driven big band. Kind of, not even big band, but, like, like, kind of, like, loungy, I guess you could say. Like, a loun in lounge singer mode. It's fine. Um, I think there's moments where it reminds you of when he was good, but like it's also very full of itself as most of his stuff is. There's a really long ass song about a like a female comedian that I think is literally called Funny Girl that just goes on too long. Um, I don't know. If you like his bit, then you probably will enjoy this too. But I got old of his bit after 2015, and so I think that that really affects how I think of him these days. So yeah, uh, it's fun, but your your next sorry next twentieth century my bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, your your tolerance of Father John Misty as an artist will be basically will judge how you feel about this record. And that's that's pretty much what I have to say about that. It's there, it exists. Right. So fans of Father John Misty may like it. Yeah, yeah, but, but tolerance may vary. But definitely a slower vary. pace and and uh, definitely. Full of ballads, so if you really want a slow burn kind of thing, this might this might be what you're looking for. But if not, you might be a little disappointed by it. Okay. That's all I listen to. Well, as I mentioned, I'll be listening to an eclectic version, eclectic range yes. of musicians yeah, as I, I prepare for the desert that is Coachella. I assume weekend. they'll be doing live streaming again. Yes. It's been a couple of years, so I had to think about if they do that or not. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so maybe I'll check out some performances. I know... Uh, my girl Carly Rae Jepsen is going to be there. On Friday. And yep. will likely play some new music as she is, uh, we didn't talk about it because it wasn't that big of a story, but she's teasing a new record uh, called Western Wind this yes. week. And so hopefully by the end of the month, maybe we'll see a release date for that. 
Um, so you need Metro Blight to play some singles. Probably drop a single this weekend. I, I would not be surprised season. if that before her performance you see a single. Yep. So get ready. Next I week single. we might talk Drops about some new Carly. Fingers crossed. Yep. All right. All right. So uh, with that, let's get into some video games. Yes, why not? And we start with new releases. Just a, just a couple. Yeah. This week. Just few. Yep. Thirteen Sentinels colon. Aegis Rim yeah. for the Switch. That is a Switch version. It was on PlayStation platforms last year. Nobody Saves the World for PS4, PS5, and the Switch. Also a Xbox uh, exclusive coming to PS4, uh, PlayStation, and Switch this week. And lastly, Road 96 for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. Hmm. Alright, so let's get into some video game news. Yeah. And we start with the not-yet-dead Halo Infinite? No, believe it or not, even though fans will uh, can try to convince you that they completely abandoned it, not quite abandoned yet. Yep, because Microsoft and 343 Industries have confirmed that Halo Infinite Season 2 will launch next month on May 3rd. You have a long-legged father down there. Sorry, a daddy long leg yes. that's hanging out under your desk. Yep. Just wanted to let the audience know. Yeah, he's uh, eating all the cockroaches down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rub it in. <laughs> Quote, <laughs> experience fresh content, including <laughs> new maps, modes, themed limited time events, and an all-new battle pass that never expires. An infinite battle pass? Yes. Um, Xbox said on Friday... It also released the following trailer, see here, for Season 2, <laughs> which is titled Lone Wolves, and was originally expected to launch in early 2022, before Season 1 was extended. A member of the Halo Infinite development team recently acknowledged that the game's community was, quote, out of patience at 343 Industries, perceived lack of activity and communication. The community director, Brian Jarrod, posted a reply to a Reddit user who said they wish the studio would acknowledge that there are issues impacting progress on new features for the game, such as the delayed Forge mode and campaign co-op. Uh, Jarrod said, quote, There are indeed a lot of challenges and constraints. We're certainly not happy to be unable to meet player and community expectations it's a difficult situation that's going to take the team time to work through. End quote. Yeah. This is disappointing because I think when uh, Halo Infinite launched, you had a lot of really good, um, uh, like, a, like a good good uh, feedback for the campaign and the multiplayer even. But the thing is, is when you market a game as a live service game, and if you market that there's going to be more on the way, fans will have super high expectations for the timeline for those things. And if you delay after delay, they're going to get angry at you. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I think fans should learn to be more patient with this kind of with this kind of game. As right now, I can't imagine what it must be like to develop something as big and massive as a Halo game from probably a lot of remote situations. That being said, they marketed Halo Infinite to be this. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they haven't been able to pull the trigger on this means that perhaps they scaled too large. Like, they... 
Halo... You mean Infinite was too yeah. large for them? That's the thing. It's like, think that, that Halo... They, they basically built the, the expectation on the fact that Halo has a history of being these huge experiences on launch. Like, keep in mind, when Halo 3 came out for the Xbox 360, you had day one co-op, forge, mm-hmm. full multiplayer suite, and campaign. This is what the legacy that they're trying to stand up. Obviously, yes, our development reality is completely different than they were in 2006. Absolutely. But... This is what they sold you. And so it's very, very hard to like find like like a excuse here because yeah, it's like the fans are right to an extent. It's like this is what you told us you were gonna get. But also should they sit down and enjoy the game that they have? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a little I'm a little torn on this because like you can't be out here and be like, we're committing to a uh, live service experience and layout dates and then just completely miss them over and over again. There is a difference between something like No Man's Sky, which mm-hmm. is a constant rollout from a small studio, compared to Halo Infinite, which is a AAA title. Yeah, it's just one. You wonder how much, like, how Microsoft, if Microsoft could get more people at 343 to help, and why that's not happening, and why maybe they're not, or if it is, and maybe that's still not enough for something this ambitious. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what it is, but. It's just sad because they had the potential to be a like legendary, no pun intended, game like that a lot of people uh-huh. were enjoying throughout the year, and instead it became a blip on the radar that may have a chance of being a blip again, but we'll see. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, we'll see. This is season two. I think Fortnite is like in chapter three, season four, or something like that. Yeah. So, if that's the, like, mythical dragon that they're chasing, I don't think they're going to reach it. <laughs> Especially if Halo is, stays on Microsoft, um, Microsoft and PC alone. Yeah. But there are people who will pay it, who will play it. But, yeah, you got to please your core fan base if you're ever going to ever attract new fan base. <laughs> Yeah, and so fingers crossed that they figure it out and that it's fun and community gets to play more Halo because, hey, Halo's good. I don't need to tell you that, but uh, what I played of Halo Infinite, it's a good time. Yep. Anyway. Anyways. We got, guests, uh, we got a guest outside. Yep. <laughs> uh, wants to speak on the podcast. Guess so. All right. Uh, moving on to our second story. Yeah. Um, down the street from us, Activision <laughs> Blizzard. Um, has officially announced that all of its U.S.-based QA testers will become full-time employees and not contractors. The company also revealed that the employees would receive an hourly wage increase to a minimum of $20 per hour. A statement from Activision Blizzard reads, quote, Today, we announced the conversion of all U.S.-based temporary and contingent, read, contractor, <laughs> QA team members at Activision Publishing and Blizzard. Nearly 1,100 people in total to permanent full-time employees starting on July 1st. An internal email from COO Joshua Taub uh, reads, quote, QA is and continues to be critical to our development success. We have amazing QA teams in place that work hard to ensure 
our players have the best possible gaming experiences. Thank you. And quote. Yes. All right, so a couple caveats about this. Well, first of all, the setup for this was, it was of course, a res- it was a response to growing um, calls for unionization among QA testers in the Activision Blizzard umbrella. Most notably, Raven Software, which is a developer underneath Activision Blizzard, were able to unionize their QA workers uh, in response to that unfair treatment. Which brings up the little caveat that you mentioned to me pre-the podcast, which is, because of that union, the Raven testers are not affected by this. Because this only affects people that are under the direct management of Activision Blizzard. Right. The direct contracted right. and temporary workers, non-union. Yes. So, so yeah, that's a little disappointing. But the good news is here is that Activision basically gave them, prior to unionization, what the unionization push was for which was to make them full-time employees. Now, some will say, is $20 an hour enough? And I probably would say no. QA is hard, and it's really, really tough work, and it's time-consuming. So it, would It's also that... joy-sucking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you can burn out really quickly with it. Yep. So I would want to see that go up, but the fact that that's the minimum, I guess you're starting at a pretty good wage. Uh, but yeah, obviously, they deserve better... And um, I still think that this does not end the need for unionization. Um, I feel still feel that think that even if this is true, I think there's value for further unions uh, to be developed in the under there. So yeah, I mean, I believe that's yeah, like at least six or five, six uh, five or six dollars better than the current California minimum wage. But of course, they'll have workers throughout the U.S., not just here in California. Mm-hmm. So that's going to vary. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it's better. It's at least a response, yeah. and it's better than it was. There's still room for improvement, but hey, any movement is good. It just goes to show you that the labor movement that's happening right now in all sorts of different sectors is nothing but positive, and it's moving things forward, and it is working. Right. Something not mentioned here, that because they do become full-time employees, it means yes. they do get the benefits yes. from Blizzard Activision, Often including see. dental, health, yeah. uh, medical, um, time off. Often when you see people, workers, trying to to uh, to um, bargain for full-time work, it's because of the benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, packages are absolutely what the company does not want to pay you, and you need them to survive here. So it's a very important. So, yeah, good for the, uh, the testers, and I hope things get even better over there. Yep, and hopefully things work out with Raven. Croft Studios. Yeah, yeah, Raven Studios. Raven yeah. Raven Croft. Raven Croft. <laughs> Raven Croft's the bad guys in one of like, the video games. That's funny. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, Raven Studios. Yeah, Raven. Anyway. Anyways, um, video games. Yeah. Um, still playing Horizon, still haven't beaten it. Still not perfectly doing the main story, so I want to do everything else. Yeah. Um, Kirby. Kirby. Still going still at it. Still cooking on Kirby. Still, still cooking on it. Um, still going through it. But there's a new yes. show on the market. A new show in town, and I gave it a spin. Yes, it's that time of year again. MLB The Show 22 is now out on all platforms. If you have Game Pass, you can play it with your subscription on Xbox. Uh, on, yeah, on Xbox, not on PC. There's no PC version yet. Also, first on Switch this year. First yep. time the series has ever been available on Switch. I've heard pretty good uh, things about the Switch version. Not as good-looking, uh, but they've managed to at least get it operating in the 
30 to 50 frames uh, center, so not quite 60, but it's getting there. And yeah, it seems like it's good to have if you want a mobile uh, version of this uh, show experience. But other than that, not a whole lot to say about the show this year. If you played last year's game, the show 22 is more or less a polished version of what 21 was. What I mean by that is some graphical stuff has improved. I noticed some new lighting effects uh, that I was pretty impressed by. I noticed some slight improvements with character animation, not as herky-jerky. I didn't see as many um, errors with uh, bats going through bodies this time, <laughs> uh, which I think was a thing that happened a lot in 20 and 21. Um, yeah, and uh, some new features. New features are very few or uh, far between. Not a whole lot of new this year. Uh, for the zone batting, now you can anchor uh, your zone bat to like start in the same place every at-bat. So that way you don't have to immediately, like what you used to do, move it down constantly to get that low, low hit. Yeah. Um, now you can... Constantly starts in the middle. You can, bet, you can anchor it now, nice. which is a new feature. Um, stadium, uh, the stadium creator mode that was introduced last year has now been improved. Now you can play night games in your built stadium, which is nice. You couldn't do that last year. And uh, Shoei Otani gets a nice little uh, video, a starring role in the video at the beginning of the game, which is fun. Uh, it's very cute. Um, he is the cover athlete. The bad news is, is that Road to the Show it remains pretty identical from last year. So if you didn't like the changes they made between 20 and 21, and I did not, you will also be disappointed in 22 as they've kept the 21 design. Uh, so it means that there's not there's not as many conversations with your player with other players. Um, a lot of the most of the stats are happening on the field, um, and they've brought back the stupid podcast framing from last year, which I am not thrilled about. Where some idiots are talking about you without ever saying your <laughs> name, um, it's like, oh, let's talk to Ken Griffey Jr. about this new prospect. Hey, they they did that in Madden too, where it's like, yeah. oh, you get the draft day. And I like this guy's speed. Yeah, exactly. He's, a, he's very powerful in between the tackles. I don't know. Or he's got such great arm strength without ever saying his yeah. actual name. After watching all that shit last year, I am skipping it this year. I'm like, I don't know what this is doing. Yeah. One change, though, and this little last thing I say, because the rest of it really, you know what the show is. Um, if you are in it for Diamond Dynasty, which is what they think you're in it for, then I'm sure you'll have a blast with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but the one thing that they didn't that they did change, what I think is a good change to Road to the Show. Last year they shoehorned in the two way player thing and made you start as a two way player. Yeah. No matter what. This year you literally build your ball player first and say what you want to do. You come in as that role. Okay. You come in immediately for Double A playing that role. So I can I immediately just chose I want to be a closing pitcher and they started me as a closing pitcher. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to keep uh, trucking on that. Uh, uh, I still like the core game, and they haven't changed the actual core game since last year. It plays exactly the same. So okay. yeah, so veteran players will enjoy that part of it. But yeah, I'm still waiting for them to really give it the next-gen change, and this is still not it. So maybe by year three, we'll see a huge new coat of paint, maybe some new, new modes, maybe some... I would love to see them play around more with Road to the Show. But otherwise, it's the show, and I still think the show is probably one of the stronger sports games on the market. And if you like baseball, it's practically the only sim on in the, in, in the market for that looks as good as this. So, so are you still waiting for it to become full gen and not like yeah, yeah? I still feel like it's straddling a little bit of a line because we played those late PS4 ones, and mm -hmm. they didn't look a whole lot different from this. Oof. This just runs at sixty. 
And if that's important to you, absolutely the next-gen version is worth it. But I'm still waiting for that wow moment that I think we're still not in. All right. That's the show. All right. Um, yep. I said still not playing anything yeah. new yet. I've actually got to uh, yeah, put so, something yeah. in. I put down yeah. Horizon and Kirby for now. Still didn't get Wonderland because for some reason my Gamefly copy of Kirby still hasn't gotten to the Gamefly. I don't know why. This is the second time this has happened to me. I'm like, somebody jacking my games, but only the Switch ones for some reason. Right. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway. Anyways. All right. Uh, let's continue and we move uh, from MLB The Show to television. Yes. We start television with... The Sports Corner. Sorry, that was my intro. I totally missed it. You just took it and ran with it. Oh, uh, you, you <laughs> just stood there at the plate and watched the, watched the pitch <laughs> go right by. Yeah, yeah. That, you, caught, you caught me looking. Um, so, yes, as our chatter uh, implies, opening day happened in baseball. Uh, baseball is officially go. Houston currently leads all teams with 16 runs scored and eight home runs. Through two games. Against our Angels. Through two games. Two games. While Pittsburgh has yet to score their first run. Eight teams have yet to hit their first home run as well. So, yeah, um, not a great start for the home <laughs> team, but there's only two games. Only two games. There's 160 more. We got this. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the, the, uh, the season goes. But, yes, baseball is happening. Meanwhile, the biggest news in sports this week, of course, was the NCAA crowning a new champion. The South Carolina Gamecocks defeated the UConn Huskies 64-49 in the women's tournament. And, of course, North Carolina defeated Kansas 72-69. Nice. And wait, wait, hold on. I think that's backwards. Wait, yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, it's, think Kansas it's Kansas the one. North Carolina. Yeah, I think I got that backwards. Yeah, you well. got that backwards. Anyway, yeah, Kansas won. Kansas won. Yeah, Kansas was the number one seed. Yeah, don't worry. We didn't just burst your mind right there. You, you're right. We were wrong. Well, no, because uh, <laughs> I think when I was looking it up, Kansas, North Carolina was on the left yeah, and Kansas was on yeah, the right. Because yeah. Kansas was on the home team. We know Kansas had their shining moment. Yes. On Monday. That, that one shining moment. And yes. what a shining moment it was because they came back from 15 points down. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty close score for a basketball game. So not oh, yeah, no, this was one of the better, more classic NCAA yeah. tournament games. Yep. Meanwhile, in the world of golf, the Masters tournament is ongoing. It continues with Scotty Scheffler in the lead. Yep, he's Although, currently shooting minus eight right now. Uh, they are currently playing. Yes, which might be. Yep, uh, as of live right now, um, Scotty Scheffler is still winning. No, he hasn't started yet. Yeah, yeah, the round three hasn't started yet. So there you go. So golf action in the Masters right now. So yeah, um, he's minus eight. The next closest grouping, at all tied for two, at minus three. So he's got five shots on him <laughs> Not bad. with uh, two rounds left to play. And then meanwhile, in the professional basketball sphere, the NBA regular season will end on Sunday with play-in starting on April 12th and playoffs start on April 16th. Yep. Um, officially, the season will end tomorrow. Play-in is like they take the, like, the last scrounge of teams Make them do uh, kind of like the NCAA tournament. Mm. They did this last year as well. I think they're going to keep doing this now. Where, like, instead of just taking uh, one through eight and putting them in, they're taking eight through ten and make or seven uh, through ten, okay. seven, eight, nine, and ten, and making yeah. them be the last ones in. Because if you have a good record at like nine and ten, and like you're trying to reach that bubble back into the yeah. end, 
you may be able to uh, squeak in there. Okay. Maybe they do it next year. Like I said, they did it yeah. last year. Apparently, it was a success, so they, they, it's kind of like a, the new thing now. But it also gives everyone who's already made the playoffs a, like a week's rest. That's nice. That's nice of them. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Anything else in sports that we need to address today? Uh, because NHL runs in parallel with NBA season, NHL season, not ending quite yet. That is yes. the end of April, with playoffs beginning in May. And then also, do we want to talk about the sports entertainment that happened last weekend with WrestleMania? Did I talk about that already? No. Oh, that was last weekend. Yeah, we did not talk about. We it. did not talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, sports entertainment WrestleMania happened. Spectacle as yeah. it was. I heard something about the Jackass guys. Yeah, all the <laughs> Jackass guys came out. Yeah. Yeah, and um, promptly kicked Sami Zayn's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was last weekend. That was last weekend. Believe yeah. it or not, it's been a long ass week. It has. Let me tell you. Oh, because I think we were talking about like getting hyped for it because yeah. it was happening that night. I mean, I had the option to watch it. Because Peacock? Yeah, but I was uh, dog-sitting for my sister that those nights. So I was just, I was like, watching on my iPad, and I was like, do I really want to watch that? Or do I just want to watch a bunch of um, old um, um, YouTube videos? So I watch YouTube videos instead. <laughs> Couldn't get me to try out WrestleMania. But yeah. Anything else notable except for the, besides the... Um, the jackass people. I know that Steve Austin had his big comeback Yep, thing. Steve Austin came back and did, gave him a hell yeah and yeah, drank his own did beer. His deal. I understand that Vince McMahon still can't take Stone Cold Stunner. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, that was also a thing uh, where um, former NFL punter <laughs> yes. Pat McAfee I heard about this as well. <laughs> took on uh, WWE uh, up-and-coming wrestler Austin Theory <laughs> in a wrestling match. I don't understand wrestling anymore. <laughs> which transformed into Vince McMahon yeah. getting into the ring against uh, Pat against NFL former NFL puncher Pat McAfee. <laughs> oh, sorry, current podcast yes. host yes. Pat McAfee. Yeah, of course. And beating him because he's Vince McMahon. <laughs> He has to win. <laughs> Only for uh, Stone Cold Steve yeah. Austin to show up because he was there. And they were messing with Texas. And they were messing with Texas. <laughs> Guys! And beat, or like, give Vince McMahon a stunner <laughs> after, you know, giving some beer claps to everybody. <laughs> Wrestling is so stupid. It's a spectacle. <laughs> it's supposed to be entertaining and dumb. God, it's so stupid. But I'm glad people had fun. I yeah. also heard that some of the independent wrestling shows were good last week, too. Yep. Yeah, um, good time to be wrestling fans, people. But that being said, uh, WWE has run into a problem. Uh-oh. And that is when your undercard highlights of McAfee, of unwrestling McAfee, <laughs> is better than your main event highlight yeah. of Roman Reigns versus uh, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Which only lasted 10 minutes after like a 20 minute buildup of intros. And then 10 minutes after they had wrestling. Like, they did this thing for like 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have time. And, and the match only lasted for 10 minutes. <laughs> That's you have a problem. That is a problem. I, I get that the point was for a belt reunification for Roman Reigns to be the, the sole winner of both Raw and SmackDown. Uh, but at the same time. <laughs> 
I mean, it was expected for that to happen because you're not going to have Brock Lesnar show up constantly on Raw and yeah. SmackDown if he wins. And then he's just going to have to lose to someone in either of those back-to-back nights or a same night. But, but practicality should not be the thing that's running your entertainment train. No, but it was me wanting Roman Reigns to be the best. And yeah. yes, he is good at what he does. Does he need both belts? No. <laughs> does anyone? Does anyone? No. But uh, he's continuously being head of the table <laughs> of WWE. And it just comes to the question of, okay, eventually, you have to end. It has to be ended. <laughs> yeah. Who's it going to be? And I think yeah. that's got to be the storyline they're going to run with. Of yeah. Who's going to be the one to take down Roman Reigns? Well, we will find out. Well, I won't, but you might. I will. Well, I will, <laughs> because next year, it's here in Hollywood at SoFi Stadium. <laughs> uh, oh, WrestleMania uh, comes to, goes Hollywood. Um, planning on getting tickets and going, well, but watch, that is next year. Yeah, watch problems. this space. Uh, Three hundred sixty-five days from now. Yep. Watch this space. Yep, that is next year beast problems. Yes. Meanwhile, let's move on. If that's it for sports. Uh, yes. Yeah. Then let's move on into television news. Not a super busy week this week, but we got some stuff. Our first story is about some uh, casting news. Maya Erskine, 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 Erskine. Wow, I was wrong in both counts. Who was from? Yeah, the East Silent there. Yeah, from the um, the Hulu show Pin Fifteen, is now announced to be the co-lead with Donald Glover in the Mr. and Mrs. Smith reboot for Prime Video. We mentioned on this podcast a few weeks ago, or God, longer than that, I guess. Last fall, that Phoebe Waller Bridge, who was originally cast in that film, departed. Uh, TV show. Sorry, yes, television show. She is now also slated to appear in the upcoming Disney Plus series Obi-Wan Kenobi alongside Ewan McGregor, Joel Edgerton, Camille Nanjiani, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. in an undisclosed role. She is also also set to star in a road trip film with Michael Sarah and Michael Angarano Angarano from Sky High and This Is Us, who is also writing and directing the project titled Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, will recognize the face. Michael Angarano, the kid from uh, Sky High. Okay. All grown up now. Wow, good for him. Yep. Uh, he's also had a recurring role in uh, the past as uh, for This Is Us as the brother. Ooh, okay. Uh, he's also in the new um, HBO Max show Minx. Okay. So he's been around. He's had bit parts. But yeah, taking his hand at directing here. Well, good for him and um, good for Maya making moves there. Yeah, a uh, little-known actress from Pen 15 in mm. three big uh, roles coming up here. Well, people are always looking for the new hot, the new up-and-coming. You were saying the new hotness, weren't you? Yeah, I actually don't know anything about her, so I'm not going to take any, make any uh, statements that I can't take back. Um, let's move on to streaming deals. We have some streaming deals. Wheeling and dealing happen in the streaming. Uh, uh, More like finalized here. deals here. Yeah. Discovery finally completed its acquisition of Warner Media from AT&T on Friday. The close of the transaction births the new company, Warner Brothers Discovery, with that wonderful logo we saw last year. Uh, no, they changed oh, it now. Okay. Which will begin trading on the NASDAQ Monday under the new ticker symbol WBD. 
AT&T aims to use the $43 billion proceeds from the sale to pay down net debt, which stood at $156.2 billion at the end of 2021. They still have over $100 billion in debt from Thanks. last year. Roku announced that it reached a multi-year extension of its distribution agreement with Amazon, providing for continued access to Prime Video and IMDb TV apps on their devices. In December, Roku reached a multi-year deal extension with Google to distribute both YouTube and YouTube TV, resolving a months-long public disagreement between the parties that caught the attention of some U.S. Uh, lawmakers. I guess I'll yep. finish that sentence. Um, so yeah, um, Roku. I mean, they have an invent like they. It, it matters to them to have a uh, an experience where users can download and watch all of their different streaming things. So they if also they, have Roku TV, where right. you can have it downloaded straight to the TV. So if they ri- take the risk of not playing nice with one of these, you take the risk of millions of Roku users not getting their content mm-hmm. on their device. It sucks. So I'm glad to see them extending their agreements with these companies. That's it for television news. Yep. Um, so um, it's not mentioned here, but with the uh, merger of Warner Brothers Discovery, yeah. there's been some shuffling going around with Warner Brothers Media, uh, mainly um, the former CEO Ann Sarnoff, right. no longer being in that lead role. She will be departing. Um, yes. I think it was on Thursday, right before the deal ended, we had, as their severance package. Yeah, I believe we had talked about when we originally talked about the deal happening, that the largely the Discovery leadership is replacing the Warner leadership exactly. at the top of the company. Yep. Which is, I don't think, what a normal, like... Was that what you would have expected? What people would expect, but it makes sense probably from the business perspective, mm-hmm. as the Discovery stuff probably makes a whole lot more money than the Warner stuff does. Yes, it does. It just doesn't have the legacy. But because um, HBO Max and has is under Warner's yeah. and is the bigger content for streaming, Discovery is going to be rolling. rolled into uh, HBO Max. Again, and we talked about this last time. I'm very happy for that because I would love to have all of the Food Network shows yes. just in an easy one-stop shop without having to pay for them separately. It would be great. I, I appreciate that becoming... All the Iron Chefs. Yes. All the Iron Chefs. All the Iron Chefs. Those guys. Anyway. Anyways, yeah, that's the whole circle right there where yeah. Discovery merges into HBO Max, yeah. but the HBO people at Warner Media get kicked out from in the replace of Discovery people. This entertainment business is weird, is I think the answer to this. Yeah. It's just weird. Just trust us, it's weird. Anyway. Anyways, we watched the television. Yeah, we watched actual television. Uh, speaking of HBO Max, yeah. I did not know this happened Okay. until you put it down right here. Yes. Season three of... Medieval favorite? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. I mean, I was a little disappointed by season two, but yes, close enough. Uh, the J.G. Quintel uh, animated show is back. Uh, this was the kind of spiritual successor to regular show, aged mm-hmm. up a little bit. It's about the wacky adventures of a married couple and their young child and their roommates. And the combination of realistic scenarios with completely fantastical twists is basically the pitch. Yes. Uh, we really enjoyed Close Enough Season 1. I believe it was my favorite show of the year that year. Yep. Um, season 2, a little disappointing. I think they went back to the technology well one too many times, mm-hmm. and it kind of rubbed me a little the wrong way. Also, it wasn't as wild, I think, as the first season kind of set the bar. I am happy to report that I have almost finished Season 3. I think I've got three more. And it is back to, like, top-tier stuff. I... 
am having such a good time with this season. It's so funny. They go back to trying to like make the premises as ridiculous as possible. Yes. All your characters get that. All of your favorite characters get episodes. It's just one, just great, great jokes one after another. Credit goes to JG Quintel for just like just keep keeping making this thing great. Um, also, credit uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, Bill Oakley, who is a consultant on the show, you might know his name from working on some of the best seasons of The Simpsons back in the. Mm-hmm. Uh, late 90s um he uh definitely his his sense of humor shines through in a lot of these a lot of these bits and i'm just happy that's good again and i'm just happy that it's back um having a great time with it so yeah close enough uh check it out if you've enjoyed the private previous seasons this is no brainer if you haven't watched it watch some of it it's great i really have i'm really having a good time with it yep that is hbo max yes exclusive Um, until it probably shows on TBS later. Yeah, they'll probably do slightly censored yeah, versions on TBS later. Yeah, I've been noticing a lot more um, HBO Max exclusives yeah. appearing on TBS, especially this them. year. I don't blame them, honestly. They need programming, they got the programming, why not? Like, they did the flight attendant, they did the Harry Potter 20th anniversary, that's supposed yeah. to be exclusive, right. but I guess not. But, you watched a couple things. Yeah. I think uh, this... Oh, speaking of, real quick, flight attendant, season two, that's next week, oh, I believe. next week, okay. Uh, it's either next week or end of the month, but that is definitely this month, April. Right. So I'll be watching that when it appears. Cool. Um, so yeah, I've been watching a couple stuff on Netflix. Yeah, is the second thing the thing that I think it is? It's exactly the thing that you think it is. Because we tried this as well. I don't think that's the name of it. That is definitely the name of it. Isn't no, it? it's a Trivia Quest. Is it Trivia Quest? I thought it was Trivia Daily. No, I think it's Trivia Quest, not Trivia Crack, the app that it's based on. Uh, you yeah. are right. It is trivia quest. So yeah, we'll talk. About, we should talk about that first because yeah. I want to get your take on this. Um, I don't know who this is for. Yeah, trivia right? quest based off of the game trivia crack, which we um announced or talked about last month. That was coming to Netflix in yeah. a daily show of new trivia questions that you could log in, uh, watch for thirty minutes and answer. Yeah, I don't know who this is for because you can do the same thing on trivia. On your mobile device? So... I, I think this is specifically built for watching something on Netflix mobily that you can interact with. Yeah. That's what it feels like. So, we talked about briefly on this podcast about Netflix trying to get their feelers into the video game industry. Yep. Trying to hire teams, like this one, to make interactive experiences for Netflix. <clears throat> this seems like that... But man, I was hoping there was more to it. When we when we read about it, we were like really excited because to me, you tell me interactive trivia game, I think one versus one hundred on the Xbox three sixty. Yeah, and I get really excited because I'm like, that's just such a good idea. They could do that, and it would be amazing. But this is not that. This is not that at all because this is basically like you're saying. It's just an app. It's a trivia app, just like the trivia crack app on the phone, except they've animated a cartoon to happen while it's happening. But I use. An animated cartoon very lightly here because there's not a whole lot of animation you can hear. There's like an intro video that gets you, I guess, introduction to the characters, but doesn't really it's set up like what's the, happening. The, the plot of, kind oh, of. everyone, like all my friends got locked up. By this sentient sword, who I guess is the villain, but we're not going to tell you why. Yeah, he just wants to <laughs> lock them up, but we don't know why. And so you, your performance on the game, like in the trivia, which by the way, 
even on hard mode, some of the easiest trivia questions I've seen in a long time. Oh, I haven't done hard mode, but I've yet to miss it uh, through uh, two If you two, think easy mode is easy, we tried hard mode thinking like it would be harder. Barely. 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 Okay. So I don't know. These are softballs. Like, they're so easy. Um, but um, then, yeah, like, that earns you points, and then the points unlock your friends from the cages that they're trapped in. Does that affect the gameplay? No. Is there any sort of actual tangible gameplay award for any of that? No. Is there any leaderboard? No. Do you get an interesting animation? No, not even that. You get annoying voice-like lines from these characters. That's literally all you get. If you <laughs> fail, which I had to do on purpose, it was, oh, we still locked up. Please try again. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's like it's. It seems like it's made for children, but you're right. There are better trivia apps on phones that do more interesting things. Mm -hmm. What they need this to be is they need it to be interactive. They need to be an interactive competition. Is yeah. what it needs to be. It, this absolutely needs to be an online play situation where you're playing against other people to be interesting at all. Because then there's stakes. Then there's a win-lose that's not just based on some sort of like cartoon character you don't care about. Like, this is half of an idea is what it feels like. Mm -hmm. They're halfway to something, and so it feels kind of like nothing. I think the problem is that because it's streaming and it's watching at your own pace, the idea of having something, one, daily, you're halfway there, but two, getting people to log in at the exact same time to watch the yeah, exact same thing. That's way better. You just created live TV again. And, but that's better, though, because, again, it adds that stakes to it. It adds that reason. It's why freaking IQ is a huge deal. Yes. H HQ? HQ. IQ. Uh, yeah, HQ was a big deal because it happened at the same time and it was an experience everybody was happening, having it at, this, at once. Mm -hmm. This needs a hook, is I guess the problem. This doesn't have a hook. It needs a hook. But Cartoon characters are not the hook, though. No, it's not. The, the stakes are too low for it to be hooked. Yeah, I guess they thought that that was enough, and it's not. Yep. Anyway. Anyways. Let's talk about uh, something else on Netflix that I... Watched. <laughs> yeah. So, in the spirit of Love is Blind, yes. where two people who never see each other, have, don't see each other face to face, get married or propose to each other and decide if they want to stay married or not. Yeah. Comes the next reality esque um, show, drama filled <laughs> uh, so banter. Good. Sure. The ultimatum. Right. So, what is an ultimatum? Or else. When you basically say somebody, you either do this or we're done. Yes. It's either you propose or we get married or... or we'll never see we'll, each other again. Yeah, or we'll break <laughs> up. Yeah. And that's what this show oh, is. Boy. Uh Six couples are invited onto the show who one of them has... Propose the ultimatum, and the other one is not going through with it. Oh, no. They, they have hesitations about getting married. Sure. Cold feet. Yeah, more or less. So here, the, the six couples are brought in, and over the course of a week, they are free to date each other and mingle and see, like, oh, okay, at the end of the week, is there someone else that you want to go home with? And, like, basically be in that full-on relationship during the next three weeks yeah. away from your original partner. 
Meanwhile, your original partner is still there in the same group setting, also flirting with other people in your vicinity. Uh-huh. It's weird. Uh, my main problem with this show, compared to like Love is Blind or um, Sexless Island, is that <laughs> these are single people who you don't need to know their backstory coming into this setting and you're picking up the relationship from day one. With the ultimatum, you're expected to get the two years, three years relationship that they've built each other in a two-minute package of why we were together, we're so lovey, everything was good, and then someone wanted, and I wanted the ultimatum because I'm ready for marriage, but my partner isn't, and if they don't, and the ultimatum is that if they don't want to get married, then I guess we shouldn't even be together. Yeah, I get it, because it's kind of like, it's like, um, the stakes are only as high as your context for these people. Exactly. And if they, if, if you have to wait through the context, it still feels like it's not going to be very climactic. You're going to be it like, feels like all right, yeah, it's like, I don't want to have to understand the why, I just want some fun junk food. Right. And you have to get to the fun junk food after all, but like, yeah, like you said, the homework. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just, when you could watch something a little bit more instant gratification, like Love is Blind. Right. Yeah. Um, also, like, a lot of the namings, when they say, like, this person, original boyfriend, this person, original yeah. girlfriend, this person, like, I, they're just names to me. I don't have any instant connection. Right. Oh, that's this person, this person, okay. this person, this person. I don't know why those, that matters. We don't know why these people matter to each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think my, outside of that being a big problem of <laughs> you need to be invested in the characters to kind of be invested in the new relationships. Yeah. Is that these ultimatums are people who have been dating for a year and a half, two years to three years. Where's my five-year relationship? Where's my seven-year relationship? Where's my... We've been dating for ten years. We were engaged and we weren't engaged. And now I want to be engaged again. Where are those people at? Where's those ultimatums? Where's the long-term investment of... Like, why have you been stringing me along for eight years now and haven't put a ring on it? Like, are we ever going to get married? Do we... Are we even, like, wasting our time here? Yeah. Where are those people at? Not these, oh, we've been together for two, three years. I'm ready <laughs> for marriage because yeah. I want to have marriage. I want to yeah. have kids. I want to have a house. I want to start popping up babies. But at that point, of course, the other person's might be not going to be on the same same. If you've only been dating for two years, of course, that's, that's too soon for a lot of people. So, yeah, you're probably getting in the same situation every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound fun. No, I mean, the drama's there. There's a lot of fighting and bickering because, sure. of course, these are all, like, yeah. sub, tw- like, under 28 people, or, like, 28 and under. Like, there's, like, 22, 23s in there. Like, like there's, like, a 23 and there's, like, oh, hey, we've been dating for three years. Like, wait, so you've been dating this person since you were 20 or since you were able to drink <laughs> and you want to get married now. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the inverse of, it's literally the inverse of Love is Blind where, these people put the relationship first before the career, whereas Love is Blind, people put the career first before the relationship, and now they want to get married and have that yeah that relationship. This is the inverse of that. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's uh, up to the bar that they've set so far with their other reality shows. I mean, I get why it's here. It's because it is the inverse of that. It's, yeah. Let's take what we not here and do the complete opposite, but in the same kind of vein. But not as fun. For the exact same kind of people. Yeah. It's not as fun. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's not, but the, like the drama 
you know, like super juicy and gossipy, and they're all <laughs> fighting and all the time, and it's that part's good. That's the drama filled part. So if you want your drama drip, the <laughs> ultimatum is right there for you. All right, a drama drip. Yes. All right. Anything else on television that we should talk about before we move on? The same old here. Uh, ooh, one last thing, real quick. There's a new cooking competition okay. on TBS. Uh, that they're hyping up heavily during the NCAA finals ah. called Rat in the Kitchen. Rat in the Kitchen? Yes, and this is not Ratatouille. Aw, oh, man. As much as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rat in the Kitchen is a cooking competition where it's kind of like the mole, where everyone's <laughs> cooking, except there's one person out there to secretly sabotaging everybody ah, and all the food. Okay. It's up to the other contestants to find out who is sabotaging amongst them? That's neat. In order to win the, the prize. It's a neat concept. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's neat. But then again, you also get like serving food to judges that are either like super salty or <laughs> might be underdone yeah, <laughs> or yeah. overcooked. And it's like, oh, you're just purposely ruining that food. Right. But yeah. that's like a good dish. And it's not even their fault. It's not yeah, even their fault. Like that's, yeah. That's, yeah. I could see that kind of being painful. Yeah. It's a bit painful. It's a cutthroat kitchen, except not, but less obvious. Yeah, but yeah. at least with Cutthroat Kitchen, you know. you know what the, the obstacle is. the don't, though, so it's kind of the same kind of tension where you're right. like, oh, man. They're going to think this person sucks, even though they don't. Even though they had to use a waffle yeah. iron to cook Right, everything. exactly. <laughs> okay, well, fun. That's but fun at least with Cutthroat Kitchen, like, you knew the other people who right. you were bargaining against and paying for the sabotages. Right. This is like, yeah, this is more this secretive. Is, yeah, more secretive, more, de- more deceitful. Could be fun, though. Yeah, I, I like that idea. But yeah, okay. so yeah, that's uh, TBS um, at like 10 o'clock. It's the, like the cooking competition late night shows. Uh-huh. Well, very cool. But with that, let's move on. And that's it for television shows. We can move on to some cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Let's start on FX, where they have uh, said that the sixth season of Snowfall will be its final. Apple TV Plus is bringing back Severance after, uh, after a pretty popular first season for a second. So, Severance just had its season finale yeah. last night. Um, I'm probably going to catch up on it now, and then now that I can binge watch the whole yeah, thing. So, I'll have uh, my thoughts on it next week. Right. But, hey, season two, coming over swift. Meanwhile, Netflix has said that the third season of Lock and Key will be its last. As I mentioned at the end of season two. There is not so much, <laughs> you, can not do. So much you can do there. Yeah. HBO is bringing back Winning Time for a second season. I guess that there's more to tell on that story. Yep. Fox will be bringing back this cleaning lady for a second season. She cleans. <laughs> ABC. <laughs> uh, ABC will be bringing back Judge Steve Harvey for a second season and Bachelor in Paradise for an eighth season. Shaws of Sunset has been canceled after nine seasons on Bravo. Prime Video will be bringing back With Love for a second season. And Disney Plus will be bringing back Wait, what? Disney Plus yes. will be uh, taking over for Dancing with the Stars for the 31st and 32nd season. So yes. does that mean it will no longer be on broadcast ABC? Yes, Dancing with the Stars. Wow. It got renewed for two more seasons, but, but it's no longer on ABC. Wow, It's moved to Disney Plus for the next two seasons. So 30 seasons on network television is it for Dancing with the Stars. Um, not, so yeah, it's 30 seasons, not 30 years. Oh yeah, I know that, <laughs> obviously. They do two seasons a year. year yeah. still, that's still a long legacy of Dancing with the Stars being on there, so I'm yeah. kind of shocked by this. I mean, consider that it's 30 seasons. Um, each season has about 10 different 
There's quote unquote celebrities. Now are they just gonna have stars? Disney Plus people. It's an easy way to do it. Yeah. Ewan McGregor. Guaranteed. Um, yeah. Or know. JoJo Siwa. Interesting move. Interesting move. JoJo has already been on Disney. Yes. <laughs> anyway, now get JoJo. Yes. Like a get Regular out fan. JoJo. Yes. Get her on there. I could be wrong. She might have already been on there too. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about some deaths. Yes. We have a handful of deaths this week. Estelle Harris, age 93. Actress, most famous for her role as George's mom on Seinfeld. Also, Toy Story, the voice of Mrs. Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head. <laughs> Mrs. Potato Head. <laughs> and a recurring role on The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. So, yes, R.I.P. Estelle Harris. Mm-hmm. Also, Nehemiah Persoff, age 102. Actor was in classic movies such as Some Like It Hot and Yentl, as well as animated and American tales. Yep. And also Ray Allen, age 95. You're losing my notes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. Actress uh, was in And Miss Reardon Drinks a Little, A League of Their Own, and The Sopranos won a Tony back in 1971. No, and then a news that dropped uh, today, like hours oh, ago. Oh, shit. Wayne Haskins. Age 24, Steelers quarterback killed after uh, being hit by a vehicle. Yes. Um, practicing um, with other running backs and receivers in Florida. This uh, happened, I think, last night, reported this morning. Wow. Um, quarterback uh, drafted by the uh, former Washington team Yes. for two years. Um, newly on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and yeah. Age 24. Damn. That's brutal. That's such... That's tough to see such a young talent just ended... The career just ended that quickly. Yeah, yeah. that's really disappointing. I think it was Ohio, the Ohio State? I yeah, believe. looks like it. Played college football at Ohio State. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, that's very that's very depressing. That's sad. Yes, I think he was a national champion, too. And, uh, yeah, I was... Yeah, 2019 Rose Bowl MVP. Wow, yeah, finished third in Heisman Trophy voting. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, our heart goes out to the family and teammates of Haskins because that's just brutal and just, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that yeah. I saw that this morning, like right before we started recording. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on out of deaths and into the movies section where we start always with the box office numbers. Your number one movie, of course, was Morbius, even though the critics hate it. $39 million debut, um, because, yeah, of course it was. Because, of course it was. In the Marvel extended universe, <laughs> people are going to want to see it, even though not to the tune of a good Marvel movie. No, but we'll, I'll talk about a good Marvel movie in a bit here. We will. Moving on, it's number two, The Lost City, with another $14 million. That's at $54 million domestic. The Batman keeps kicking with eleven million dollars. That's at three forty nine domestic. I'll hit three fifty this weekend. Will. Uncharted at number four, still hanging in there. Three point six million. That's at one hundred thirty eight. Number five, rounding out your top five, still that anime film Jujutsu Kaisen Zero: The Movie. One point nine million dollars. That's at twenty nine million. But this is the week of big releases. Last uh, Friday, because you had everything everywhere all at once going wide, ambulance and Sonic the Hedgehog. This coming Friday, we'll see Father Stu and Fantastic Beasts: The Secret of Dumbledore, which will be the ultimate test of whether people still want to see Harry Potter universe movies. <laughs> I don't think the answer is yes. 
I don't think so either, especially <laughs> since you had to, Ooh. one, recast your main villain away from Johnny Depp, and yeah. two, you're having some problems with uh, Ezra Miller in that film. Yeah, now. Ezra Miller. And we'll talk about that a bit later here. Everything about this movie seems like it's just bad press. Every, there's just the timing, it's just a hurricane of bad press right yep. now. So I feel bad for the people who have to promote this right now. They're not having fun. You mean Jude Law? Yeah, right. Jude Law. Fathers Two is the boxer gangster turned um, priest in Boston, starring one Mark Wahlberg because it's based in Boston, and of course it yeah. is. But yeah, look forward to your next one. Next week's your number one movie is going to be Sonic the Hedgehog Two. Absolutely, yep. not even a chance. Yep. All right, we move into movie news with our first story. A very very happy story coming at us from Pixar. Being able to favorite Turning Red, uh, we enjoyed it very, uh, enjoyed it quite, quite a lot, and so did Pixar from a company level because producer of Turning Red, Lindsay Collins, and director Domin Shi have been promoted into leadership roles at the company. Collins has been named VP of Development, where she will lead development for features and screening opportunities for upcoming filmmakers to originate and shape story ideas into movies for production. She, meanwhile, has been named VP of Creative. Joining Andrew Stanton, Peter Son, and Dan Scanlon in guiding the studio's filmmakers on their own productions as part of the famed Pixar Brain Trust. She started as a Pixar intern and was hired to work on Inside Out while Collins was a 25 well Collins was a 25 veteran at the 25 year veteran at the studio with producing credits on Wall-E and spearheaded the studio's Spark Shorts program. So Good to see some uh, female talent uh, moving up in the ranks of the company, mm -hmm. especially Domi Shi. I'm so happy to see her in creative roles because mm. there is one thing that Turning Red did better than a lot of Pixar movies do, and it's creativity. It's a very creative movie with a lot of risks, mm -hmm. and I'm glad to see that being rewarded. Yep. Um, Turning Red was also the first female-led and directed. Uh, and directed. Yeah. Um, People point to what about Brave? That was co-directed. <laughs> yes, uh, stolen, you could say. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Uh, good congratulations. News. Good news to good news. Lindsay Collins and Domi Shi, yeah. especially working their way up through inside yes. of Pixar. Great to see. Great to see. Our second story uh, is some bits for you, some collected bits over the course of the week. First up, a little follow-up from last week's Oscars story. The Academy has officially banned Will Smith for 10 years from the Oscars and all Academy events. Even though he already withdrew from the Academy, yeah. they're still putting a ban on him for 10 years. Which means the next time we see him at an award show would properly uh, would be 2032. <laughs> Who knows what he'll be doing then. Bad Boys 5. Yes, probably. Meanwhile, uh, a little follow-up to that MGM-Amazon deal finally finalizing. 20 Ooh, yes. you know why they did 10 years? Why? So, in 10 years, they can say, bring back saying, celebrating his 10-year Oscar win, Will Smith. Yeah, maybe. That's exactly why they did that. That would be funny. Anyway, after the aftermath of the Amazon and MGM deal, we now have 25 James Bond films, now available on Prime Video, starting April 15th. This is every James Bond film, excluding two. The original Casino Royale from 1967, and Never Say Never Again from 1983. 
neither of which were produced by usual Bond producer Eon Productions Limited. So because of licensing deals, they can't have those two. So it seems like most of the Bond movies you would want will be available on Prime Video. The way they're framing it is that those two films are considered not, not canon. canon. Yeah, they're outside of the... I already knew that about Casino Royale. It's one of the reasons why they remade it, quote-unquote. Yes. Was because then they wanted an official version of that story. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, not super surprising here. But uh, good to know if you're a Bond head and you yes, want to catch up. This does mean that you only live once. Twice. Twice. Yeah, the new Bond film will premiere on Amazon on uh, April 15th. Okay. Moving on, two-time Oscar-winning director Asghar Farhadi has been found guilty on a charge of plagiarism pertaining to his latest film, A Hero, from a documentary his former student made during a filmmaking workshop back in 2014. Ouch. That filmmaking workshop? was hosted by Farhadi himself. <laughs> uh, so he took an idea, maybe put it in a brain pocket, and then used and it then, later. And then ten, <laughs> five years later, yeah. said, hey, wait a minute. I have this idea here <laughs> that I can take and improve upon, yeah. but without giving credit. Yikes. So not great, not great vibes for yes. Farhadi um, here. Farhadi is denying all accusations. Yes. That being said, um, he's been found guilty in a court of law. Uh, I think it's uh, in the Iranian court of law, of uh, plagiarism. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens with that. And lastly, the other big story. Lastly, yes, you hinted at this when we were talking about the Potter movie, but Ezra Miller's recent arrest for disorderly contact and harass conduct and harassment has prompted Warner Brothers and DC executives to hold an emergency meeting about his future with the studio and with the upcoming Flash film set to release next year in which he will star. So the Flash film was originally supposed to come out this year yeah. in November. We uh, noted uh, last month that it got pushed back to summer of next year due to quote-unquote extensive VFX yeah. shots. But Yikes. now that may be, uh, dare I say, HBO Max exclusive film because they don't want to put that in theaters. Not looking super great, no. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting what they decide to do with Ezra here. I can't imagine they do more future projects with him. I think that, yeah, they have a lot of planning ahead of them to decide what happens to him. So, yeah, so we'll see. Um, this means that from the 2017 Justice League film, yeah. Ben Affleck, no longer Batman. Right. Henry Cavill, no longer Superman. Uh, Ezra Miller. Ezra, no, question no, 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 mark, no. Yes. Ezra Miller, probably out. Yeah. Ray Fisher, um, the studio basically drove him out. <laughs> and that just leaves Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot as the only two remaining people so far because Gal Gadot has publicly said that the upcoming Wonder Woman 3 should be in production, <laughs> would indeed be her last film as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Leaving just Jason Momoa <laughs> after five years? Honestly, though, Jason Momoa, he has a good head on his shoulders. I would not be surprised if maybe he doesn't want to do this for the rest of his life. If uh, Aquaman <laughs> 2 is the last one for that him? might be. I feel that for him, because I feel like he's getting so many other options here. See, so many Dune. Opportunities. Yeah, I mean, Dune's been big for him. Yep. But also, it's just like, yeah, he's so flexible. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see him doing superheroes for a while. So, does this put a DC in another situation where they have to 
completely reset their universe again? Within 10 years of Justice League? This keeps happening to them. <laughs> Why does this keep happening to them? Anyway. Anyways, Making yeah. movies is hard, turns out. Yeah, not, not everything could be Marvel where you're... Yeah. Where you just get Robert Downey Jr. in a role for 12 yeah. years. Yeah, until, until you kill him off. Spoiler. Anyway. <laughs> Spoiler. Ten, I don't know. Just think like Robert Downey Jr.'s 10 year run from yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. 2008 to 2018. It's impressive. It's impressive. I'll give him that. That'll do it for movie, bit, movie bits and movie news. Yep. Uh, but you have one thing you want to talk about here. One last uh, film yes. I saw on Netflix. This feels like a Sundance film. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Sundance South by Southwest film mm-hmm. called Windfall. It's a feels like what's supposed to be a short story, but got <laughs> stretched out into a, a larger film. Okay, um, starring only four people. Oh wow! Um, uh, Lily Collins, Jason Segel, who you haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been a hot second. And uh, Mr. Kirsten Dunst himself. Oh, uh, Jesse Plemons. Yes, Jesse Plemons. Fresh off of that Oscar nom. Yes, fresh off his Oscar nom. Um, and I think the director as well is, shows up in a gardening role. But yeah, only four people in this entire film. Okay. Um, Jesse Plemons plays a CEO tech billionaire who's gone away to his desert home with his new wife. Uh, played by Lily Collins, yeah. and then while there, one very bearded Jason Siegel <laughs> um, kidnaps them, quote unquote, <laughs> kidnaps them in their own home and demands payment or demands Eesh. basically holds them for ransom. Yikes! But it's a dark comedy because nothing uh, in that goes right. Aha! Uh-huh, okay. It's supposed to be a dark comedy. Sure. It's a oh. You're negotiating, like, well, there's a specific scene in the film where Jesse Siegel's like, give me $100,000 and I'll go away and start a new life. And Jesse Plemons goes, is that enough? I think you might want more. <laughs> I think you might need, like, $200,000. And Lily Collins like, well, $200,000 is not enough. Give him, like, double it. Make it $4,000. $400,000. And Jason Siegel's like, well, $400,000? I just want 100000 What do you mean 400000 can we possibly round that up to even five hundred thousand? <laughs> it's dark comedy like yeah, that. It's silly. Yeah. It's silly. It's dumb. Um, the acting's kind of so-so in this. There's hints there where, like, I can see why they wanted to do this because it's kind of a good script, especially with such a tight cast in a single location. But it also seems like it's a week week long project where they brought everyone in. Shot it in a week yeah. and then put it out for festivals because they need yeah. to get something done. I can see why. It's kind of good. It has moments, but it's also dark comedy. So if yeah. you like dark comedies, check it out. Otherwise, this is a complete like, like I said, Sundance kind of South by Southwest thing where yeah, it's specifically made for festivals, but somehow it's wound up on Netflix. And if you haven't seen Jason Segel in anything in a while, maybe that's something worth checking out because he's pretty good in it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, yeah, it seems like a good solid like weekday night kind of movie to yeah. put on. All right, cool. Great. And I think that does it with us. Unless you watched anything. I think that does it. No movies this week. Um, yeah. So next week, stay tuned. 
we will be back with another Media Boat podcast. I'm sure we will talk about more sports business, more of... Know what next week has to hold. Oh, I know what next us. week has. All right, yes, your football replacement program, aka the USFL. Yes, the uh, USFL officially start. starts, um, once it, I think it's next Saturday on the 16th. Okay, yeah, so there's that. Yeah, next Saturday, the 16th, we'll talk about that New Jersey versus Birmingham on Peacock at Fox. And NBC. It's got to go somewhere. (laughs) Yep. Uh, With following matchups on that Sunday. We'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, um, stay tuned to all sorts of our our channels to see what we're up to. Uh, We'll be back next week at the same time and place. We're usually live on Saturday mornings. If you want to catch us, we are on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com and search Media Boat Podcast to find our channel. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications for when we go live. If you'd rather listen to us in audio form, we're there too. You can listen to our shows by searching Media Boat Podcast on any of your podcast services of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Wherever you listen to us, we are there. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're hand- our handle is at Media Boat Cast. On Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our page there. And last but definitely not least, if you want to ask us questions, give us comments, give us feedback about the show, anything you want to say to us, you can email us, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Have a good week, everybody, and see you next time. We'll be back with more news, more thoughts, and more of us next week. Hey, Coachella Vibes next week. Coachella Vibes. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.